How are y'all today? Good, how are you? Huh. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I woke up this morning and I didn't have my voice. I got scurred, you know? <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I told Tiff, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I was trying to improvise. Because I'm, I'm, I'm in education, some of you might, might know, and I taught for years. So like, you always have your backup. Like, my strategies are like, we'll sit in circles and we'll discuss and I'll just throw out questions. But luckily, my wonderful wife made some tea um, and I, a few nice coughs and my voice came back. Um, but yeah, so we're going to continue this morning looking at Acts. Um, but f- before we get started, is anybody here like a writer, like a fiction writer? You know? Anybody? You write some fiction? Okay. I, I don't write fiction, but, um, and this isn't, the Bible isn't fiction, but let's <laughs> start off with that, but uh, it is a story, right? It's a, it's a story, and it's interesting how different people contribute to that story, just the, the whole layout, and, and I don't know, I don't want to call you out, Karen, but like, when you're writing something, you know that something's coming. Right, you get excited, right? And like, like, I don't know that feeling. Like, what's that like? Is I'm just wondering. Right. Right. Yeah, and you can like see where it's going. Yeah. Now, I, if some of you might know, I tell jokes. Like, I'm a joke teller, and my wife knows this, and she always says, "I know all your jokes," and she doesn't. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it's. One of the things I get real excited about is like the punchline, right? Like getting to that punchline. And I know it's coming. And sometimes I mess it up. But like I always love like telling that good joke. And I try to think of one to tell this morning. But I mean, I couldn't think of like an appropriate one that's going to be <laughs> recorded. Not that it's dirty, but it's just like, you know, it's not, I don't want it recorded. So, um, <clears throat> so. But that's kind of what we see here in Acts, okay? So if you look at leading up to this, and this is um, Saul's conversion to Paul. And when, you write a, when, you, when you're looking at and talking about the conversion thing, and you're talking about Saul to Paul, you have to think, like, which, which name do I use? Like, at what point do I transition? Because um, he's always kind of been Paul as well. Um, so... But reading through this, through Acts, you can see Luke as like giving these little nuggets of, of Saul, right? And he's just talking about this terrible man. And I'm sure Luke writing this was like, oh man, I can't wait till I get, I'm, he didn't have chapters, but like I can't wait till I get to chapter 9, right? And I start telling this, this story. So, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> So we're going to, uh, we don't have it up, so if you have your Bibles, we'll go ahead and turn to um, Acts chapter 9, and we'll start off, and uh, we're going to read 1 through 9 today. So this is actually a continuing story, and it's interesting because it's not Paul's full conversion story, okay? This is just 
the first part of it, and I want us to remember that as well. Um, I'm going to read from the NIV, but I'm actually going to refer to different versions because you know how that works, right? So, <clears throat> and this is like my old school, like I got this when I was like 17 Bible, which I don't know if you have that Bible where you're like, it's got the study notes in the bottom, right? And I've underlined everything. And then you find out like this version is like, we're not the best, but you're still like, I don't care, right? So I'm going to read from that, but then we're going to kind of go back. So you can read whatever version you want. I'm going to read my old school NIV. Um, it says, meanwhile, Saul was, st- Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So that, he found, uh, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And who are you, Lord? Saul asked. He says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. And Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, as we read through this today, and um, we think, we just pray that your spirit will speak to us and hopefully um, deepen or strengthen or change or convict or just help us to learn more of you and how you draw people and you call people. Give us uh, just words and wisdom and love and laughter today and we just thank you for the opportunity to have this space and this opportunity to talk about you and share you. We love you and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay. So, one of the things we're going to talk about is just the threat of Christianity, right, during this time. They called it the way. And it was a converting religion. Like, that's where they, they wanted to convert people from one religion to another. Um, and that's, we don't have a lot of religions that are, like, as evangelical as Christianity. Like, we're actually saying, like, Oh, that religion isn't right. This is the way. You see how I did that? Okay, like this is the right way. So Paul, this Pharisee Paul, um, was very threatened by this. Right? Why do you think he's threatened? Why would it be a threatening thing? Never, people generally don't like being told that they're wrong. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Do well right. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, Jesus, the leader of Christianity, was like refuting Jewish kind of, I don't know, religion in a way. Kind of. 
Right. Yeah. And how, how is that? How is he refuting it? Um, calling himself the Messiah and, mm -hmm. and you know, um, leading people towards Gentiles, which was very, you know, Jewish culture was very, like, exclusive, so. Right. You know, that's, they weren't comfortable with that. Right. Mm -hmm. What else? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So what, what is Christianity's, um, what was the basis of, what, what, did the, what did they preach? And how is that different than what Judaism preached or proclaimed? What did Christianity pray, preach? It said that what? Salvation was through Jesus, right? And then was it through works? No, it was through faith. So you can imagine Paul, right? This guy that's spent his whole life being studied and like, or studying and growing up and being mentored and just doing acts of righteousness. And even the words that he used, like I, you know, was a Hebrew among Hebrews, <laughs> um, that he was like, I was cream of the crop, man. Like, I'm at, the, I'm at the top of this game. And you're coming out here and you're saying that there's this whole other way that's like totally... Like, disregards what I've spent my life doing and studying and teaching. Like, that would kind of make me mad too, right? And he thought, and he took this from going just from that into a more, um, even a more active role of I'm going to be even more righteous because, you know, God, our Old Testament God had many examples of how he squashed out other religions, right? And that was a righteous thing to do is to any kind of infectious thing that comes in, you, you take it out to preserve the Judaism traditions and, and the, you know, the relationship with God that they had. So when he goes out and he's doing all this persecution, like he truly, truly believes that he is doing the will of God. Right? I am protecting the seal of God. If you look at it... Um, a couple chapters ago, I think it was Acts 5, right? When we first kind of see, um, when we first kind of see Paul going there, right after Saul's death, sorry, and it's uh, Acts 8.1, and they talk about him getting, Stephen getting stoned, and he's just standing there, and the, and the only thing it says and Saul was there giving approval to his death. So he just, he's like, yeah, that's it. Go ahead, kill him. And now he goes to the Sanhedrin, right? And he's asking them, hey, there's some more. And they're thinking it's Caiaphas, right? This is that's the one he goes to. And he's like, can you just give me a little introduction? I think there's some more of them over there. I'm going to drag them out and kill them. And the way it says it here is he was still breathing out murderous threats. And, but... It's the more close to the thing is like breathing out, <clears throat> excuse me, breathing out murder and threats. So he's like, just like he did with Stephen, like giving approval, like murder them, pull them out. Men, women, didn't matter who it was. Like we're killing this and we're wiping this out. And what's interesting, what's really interesting is if you look back, um, his uh, kind of his mentor 
was this guy named, I don't, I don't want to say this right, Gamaliel, Gamagawaliel or something like that. Um, and if you look in Acts 5, um, Gamaliel was kind of a Pharisee and he was a teacher. And in 5, kind of 33, he, it says, starting in verse 34, it says, But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. So he has all these apostles put outside, right? So then he addressed them. He said, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do in, to these men. Some time ago, the day has appeared, claiming to be somebody. And about 400 men rallied to him. And he was killed, and his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt, and he too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men you will only find yourselves fighting against God. Now taking that and going to Paul, right? Going down the road here. And <clears throat> he gets these letters when he comes. <clears throat> and Jesus disappears in fell on his, in the flight of a, a flash of light, he comes and he appears, and he falls, and he falls and has his normal response. Now, the thing is, is no one expected Paul to be converted. Like, can you imagine? Like, who is it that you're like, oh, if they got converted, you would be like, yeah, right. Like, if I, if we woke up on the news and it was like, I don't know. I don't know who's like the worst person, right? Well, <laughs> I'm not going to finish that sentence. Um, I don't like. If we went years ago and it, it was someone like Osama bin Laden had found Jesus, yeah. really, it really would be something like that. That someone that would like, intentionally kill, like he was killing Christians, and, but it was, had that intent behind it. And then you find out, oh, like. Now, uh, Osama bin Laden has become a Christian, and instead of Osama bin Laden, we're going to call him, you know, Michael. And, no, this is really, like, what's happening, right? It's, it's, that's a little stretch from Paul to Saul. But, like, it's, it's that kind of conversion, and then they say, go into, you know, to, I, we don't run again to Ananias, right? But he's like, and then it's like, hey, Todd, so, you know, Osama, like, He's now Michael, and like I want you to go disciple him. And Todd would be like, "No, you know, right? Like that's very scary, right?" So <laughs> Todd probably would do it though, because Todd, it's Todd, right? So um, I'm not giving him enough credit. But what do we take from that? What do you take from that? Like we imagine um, that there is like almost like a limit. I really, I, and I really feel like this. There's a limit to what, to who God can save. Um, I was talking with um, a, a colleague the other day about different. Um, I'm trying to say this about different types of parents, 
okay? And this person worked with parents. And they said, you know, <clears throat> I'll, just, I'll just tell you. They have high school students, okay? And they said that the parents were so concerned with being their teenager's friend that they weren't being their parents, okay? And what they would do is they would go to, this is, blew my mind, right? I was like, you're kidding me. They would go help prep for like the after prom party or something at the school. And they would take flasks and they would go up into the ceiling and push up those little tiles and put a flask up there and then let their kid know. I put a flask in front of room 302. I see all these mouths open, right? Like, what? Right? So, but it's all these kind of things. And the parents are like, you know what? I smoke weed. Like, it's fine if my kid does. You know, I'm buying my 16-year-old you know, a pony keg for their birthday, as long as it's an, I mean, it's these kind of things. And she says, when I talk to those parents and they say things like that, I just dismiss them. They're not going to come. They're not going to, they're not going to come to this side. They're not going to like listen to anything I have to say. So I'm just going to dismiss them. Right? And that's what I feel I do. Right? If someone's far enough away, or I, I think they're far enough away, I just dismiss them. So when I was in Venezuela, there's this guy named Armand, okay? And Armand was a Muslim. And uh, he, <clears throat> part of what we did in Venezuela was <clears throat> I would go to the prison every week. Um, we worked with actual uh, Europeans. Prison in Venezuela, a little different than prison here, okay? <laughs> they, uh, you don't get a bed, okay? You don't have... Um, really, like toothbrush, soap, anything like that. And that's all provided by your families. So if you went to prison in Venezuela and you're a Venezuelan, your family would be responsible for bringing you things. Now, let's say that you're an American and you're traveling through Venezuela and you get put in prison and you have no family there and your family can't afford to come there. Like, what are you going to do? So we would kind of get these group of people, and we would um, do a Bible study with them. We would also get their contacts for their family back home and go buy supplies and bring it in there. Well, Armand, like, when we were doing our Bible studies, he would be standing over here just yelling, like, stuff about Allah, and stuff that, you know, Jesus is a false prophet. And, I mean, he would just yell at us the whole time, right? And then one day, we show up. And Armand is like, I've been waiting for you to get here. I'm so excited to see you. He's like, Jesus is my Savior. He's the Lord. And we're like, what? <laughs> right? I mean, we're like, what are you talking about? And he, my gosh, he made me feel so terrible. Like, he, well, he's in prison, but he like had read and memorized like books of the Bible. Like, in a couple of days, he would memorize, like, all, he, would, he just couldn't get enough. He had so many questions. And he had what he said, like, Christ came to him in his, in, in his dream, in the night, and spoke to him very similar to this. And, he, and honestly, we kind of, like, said, hey, you know, because we're all about building, right, sustainability. And we're like, why don't you start leaving some of these Bible studies? And it was amazing. But you know what? Like, I would have put that limit there. 
And so that's what I'm wanna, that's one thing I want to start with you guys about. To think about is what is that limit? What person or who is that limit? Then you're like, God can't reach them. I shared Jesus with them and they didn't respond. Really, okay? Like, I think, and that's another thing that I want to get to, go to here is this was not, it was sudden and it was unexpected. It happened in an instant and it was very unexpected. It wasn't, Paul didn't go through some long relationship like conviction of sin, you know, like this huge process where you're like, I'm teaching him and they've been sitting in the, you know, the pew or the chair for months. You know, it happened like that, right? And how much of that is dependent on us and how much is it dependent on God? Because I think a lot of times we carry that weight of someone else's salvation. Um, we don't save anyone. God uses us. Right? He, used, he didn't use anybody. He did it himself with Paul. But he used Ananias to kind of build that up. Right? So it's kind of like what is your role and what responsibility do you hold? We're definitely called to share the gospel, to preach the gospel, to tell the truth. Right? To share that Jesus is Lord. Okay? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what are you doing? Okay. Um, that's what we're called to do. So thinking about what your expectations are. And what your preconceived notion of someone to come into Christ is. We kind of need to get away from that. Because I, at least I have felt that. Um, because that's similar to my experience. Right? Um, actually, actually, that's not true. Um, I am going to share my experiences with you as well uh, in a little bit. But I think what this speaks to me more is I really, it doesn't, I don't see anywhere about, see anywhere in scripture it says this. I really wonder how much like the, the apostles and the people were praying for Paul, for Saul. I, I, it doesn't tell us, but all these people he's dragging out and murdering. I wonder what they're thinking and praying at that same time. You know? Um, like you said, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Things like that. You know, like, if they're having the same kind of mindset that I'm going to go be with God and, like, seeing Paul just see that and observe that and then being like, Lord, bless this, bless this man that is killing me and my family. I don't know if that's happening. But I'm, I'm imagining it's probably more of that. I don't know. I have no idea what it is. But, like, I'm wondering if there's people that are praying for him, like, before this happens. And I think, especially to me, the role of prayer in conversion and salvation, I think, is more powerful sometimes. I know it is, than our words. I know. I'm, I know we're called to speak, but I feel like our by praying that we are giving God that power and that glory to do what he wants and that he can receive the glory for it. And I hold it a lot less. God receives all the glory for this conversion, for sure, right? He does it for all of them. But this one, there's like, there's no like doubt. There's no questioning. Um, <clears throat> and it thinks, it's interesting to think about this timing, right? Like he's... He has this time where he just goes um, on his way to Damascus, and it's bam, I'm going to get you right here. 
then you're going to go there. And I know you're going to, to kill people, but we're going to do this before. And we often think, like, <clears throat> there's a time and a way. I don't know if you grew up with this. I didn't grow up with it, but I was a part of this kind of thing where I made the call and you walked down the aisle, right? Those kind of things. Like, there's a time and a place, and we're going to have somebody here to pray with you. Okay? Um, this is not, like, our timing on things. Our, like, Armand's, his was not... That was not like the timing that we thought it would be. So I think also we need to consider that. Like on our knees praying for others that God's going to intervene in an unexpected way that we can rejoice in that. Um, <clears throat> the other thing I want to just look at here is the sovereignty of God in this. Um, I know our church has, we're very open. Like uh, it was years ago. I was in a Sunday school and it said, what do, you, what do you truly need to fellowship with somebody as a Christian? And we had a, he came in with like a list of things, right? Like, um, you know, or is, is it free will or is it like election or is it like, do you have to believe that Moses really parted the sea? Do you have to believe that, <clears throat> you know, God created the world in seven days? Like he just gave this list and he said, now how much of this do you believe you have to believe to fellowship with somebody, right? So just saying that is that we all don't have to have the same beliefs. Okay? You okay? What do you want? Okay. We'll talk like this for a minute. Um, so we all don't have to have the same beliefs. So on this, I just want to say, like, I'm probably more, I don't mean Probably lean, I, I personally lean more to an election kind of belief. That doesn't mean that that's right, and it doesn't believe whatever, but I just see, yeah, I just see God's um, hand in this as being a sovereignty. So when I talk about election and sovereignty, I see the sovereignty in this. You want to see lying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm right here. Okay. <laughs> um, when God comes in this moment, he takes over this road, right? He's there in a flash, and he takes it over. And Paul, Saul, falls down on his knees. And he says, why are you persecuting me? He doesn't say my people. He says me. And he was like, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus. And then he says, whom you're persecuting. Then, then he just tells him, he says, get up, and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. Like, man, that would scur me, like, so bad. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> um, but he just came there, and he took over, and that God's sovereignty, that he can take a place like that. He can take a place like this. And he can take anywhere and just... His presence there, and we, where you just fall down on your knees, um, and just that when he opened his eyes, that he blinded him. That wasn't like he blinded him in that place, and he took him there for three days. And I always think about well, my wife's outside, so I'll say this now. She uh, 
she's lo- she would be fine with me saying it if she was in here. <laughs> but you gotta close your eyes at, like at night, and things just run through your head. You know, you replay the day, you re- replay to- or you don't replay, you play out tomorrow or whatever. Um, so like my wife talks about that where it's like she can't sleep sometimes because things are going on. So she goes, my mind's just racing. She hates me because I'm like, good night, and I'm out. <laughs> like I'm literally like, she, she'll, I mean, I'm literally out. I'm like, I'll count down as a joke sometimes. I'll be like, going to sleep in 10. But, um, <laughs> but I'm imagining like if you're blind for three days and you just had this experience, like what is going on in his mind? You're talking about prayer and fasting. Um, God has just took that over and he said, you're going to remember. You're going to remember all this. And when you look at the way that Paul talks about himself, um, when we look in 1 Timothy, um, after, after this happened, the way he talks about it in the letters that he writes, it's, he's pretty, he's pretty convicted. Um, oh, that's not right. Hold on a second. Here we go. <clears throat> he said, I am the foremost of sinners, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience for an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. He says, I am the foremost of sinners. I can imagine those three days that he spent in that time crafted him to see himself, not as that holy, pious person he was, but as the foremost of sinners. So there's a number of other things that in here that we're just not, I'm not going to talk about that we could go into um, the days of darkness and fasting the miraculous light from heaven and a voice and God's use of Ananias but what I do want us to take away is the intentionality of God to save someone like Paul the way he did and what it teaches us right we should not lose heart on anyone don't give up on anyone Um, we should never think, and most of us here are believers, but we should never think that we can do something that makes us unworthy enough of salvation. There's nothing anyone does to us or or anything that makes us or makes them unworthy of salvation. And I think we we often forget that. Um, We also... Imagine that sometimes that he is only an angry and just God so that if we have this conviction and I'm not worthy enough or they're not worthy enough and we forget the full spectrum of God and that love and grace as well. <clears throat> um, or that we feel like we have maybe gone too far away and to be brought back. Like there's no, pretty much there's no limits on who God can save and what he can change. Um, so my story 
is probably more similar to, it's not as similar to Paul's. Um, I wasn't on a road to murder people, but it was, I was, it was in the July, uh, June or July of um, 93. And growing up, I grew up in a church that I rarely heard Jesus. It's kind of weird, right? Like, grow up in a church and not hear Jesus, but there's churches that are out there. Do you know that? There's churches that you meet every Sunday and they give a sermon. And, and I, it was really evident after um, I came to know Jesus, like, why aren't you talking about Jesus? I'm like, there's, I haven't heard him, his name mentioned in this whole thing. And I went through a practice of conversion and stuff like that, um, like a class, and I did it. It was in middle school, and you know, you're in middle school, so. Um, but I remember, like, at, after that point, I was given the choice of whether I wanted to go to church or not. And I was like, no, you know, I want to sleep in. Um, and, you know, my parents uh, love them both, and, like, they're, that was their decision how they wanted to do things. So, but um, I had a friend named Jeremy. Jeremy Johnson uh, became one of my good buddies. Jeremy, he was like, I wasn't in band, but he was like the coolest band kid. And I don't know what that says, but I just, that's how I remember him. Um, but he was like the coolest band kid, and I love Jeremy. And Jeremy like stayed over at my house one night. Um, and I remember I had bunk beds. Right? I don't know. Anybody grow up bunk beds? Love bunk beds, right? And so... I remember like just laying on the bottom bunk and Jeremy's on the top bunk and we're talking <clears throat> and I remember staring up like my dad had built these bunk beds right so I just had this like wooden um, not wooden like of course it's wooden this plywood piece of plywood um, as the base I remember staring up at that and Jeremy saying like hey Kevin can I ask you a question and I was like yeah and he said. So if you died tonight, do you think you would go to heaven? And I just remember being like, yeah, I guess so, you know? He's like, so why do you think that is? And I, you know, said, well, like, I'm a pretty good person. You know, I'm pretty nice. I help people on probably do more good than bad. My scale's probably weighted correctly. And he said, uh, what if I told you that's not how it works? And I was like, I'm, I don't know what that means. And, and this uh, 16-year-old kid jumps down off his top bunk, pops open the Bible, turns on a flashlight, and starts, this is like a very like, Baptist thing, going down the Roman road. You remember the Roman road? Y'all ever hear that? Yeah. But he kind of leads me through that. And... I remember going through that, and I remember the Roman road because I learned that's what it was. And but what I remember in that moment, and I've only felt this maybe two or three times in my life, is in, in the well twice in my life is the immense presence of God. That He, it wasn't a flash of light, but there was nothing that I've experienced that had that conviction. And love and presence and power all in that same moment. 
and it changed my life. And it really did. And my parents noticed, right, afterwards. Oh, I'm trying to get enough emotional, hold on. Deep breath. There we go. All right. Um, and they said, you're, you're different. What happened? You know? Um, and it was sudden and unexpected. And I wasn't the far away one. I was somewhat close. But there's no limit on that. Right? And there's no script to get there. So let's remember that and how we love people and how we interact with people because we are called to love and to speak truth. And I think a lot of us do one or the other, right? Instead of both. Um, Thank you. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your love and grace exceeds well beyond what we can imagine and what's in our minds. We thank you for sudden and unexpected, and we thank you for the patience you have and the timing you have. And God, we just pray that you will bring to us in our minds the person or people that you want us to be intentional about praying for, Lord, that we call you to intervene in a way that we can't, because it's not going to be our power that brings them to know you as Lord and Savior. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be you, Father. So let us go out and do those two things. Let us love others and let us speak truth, Father. And let us pray that you will move. We love you. We thank you for Paul. We thank you for his teachings. We thank you that you can take the foremost of sinners and use him to just change lives. And eventually come and change ours. Give us wisdom and grace and love this week. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.